Here it is, the final installment of our three-part series. The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the Love Times 2 podcast. This is the final installment of a three-part series on 30 fundraising tips to help you raise more money at your pro-life ministries dinner. And if your ministry is all about loving every mom, every baby, no matter what, we want to be all about coming alongside, helping you any way that we can. And I can just tell you that personally, I hope that out of these 30 tips, if there's just one of these tips that helps you raise more resources and just improves the productivity of your event, hey, that's a win. Now, there may be some tips that I'm not covering that you think listeners would love to hear. And if you have those, Email me at podcast at lovetimes2.org, and we'll talk about those in future episodes of the podcast, okay? So let's go ahead and just jump right on into tips number 21 through 30, and we're going to close this whole series out. So tip number 21, ask your speaker who's coming in to do an evening event for you. Ask your speaker if he or she would also do a lunch event for you. Now, some speakers are going to say no. Some would say they're glad to. My experience has been that the more you're paying for a speaker, the less likely they're going to do two events without asking for more. But that's not always the case. I've been very surprised with speakers that charge quite a bit for an honorarium that they're glad to do a second event if you just ask them. But the key is you have to ask them. You have to let them know why you want to do a second event. Now, you could do a lunch event uh, on any format that you want to. I would not recommend you do that as a separate fundraiser, although if you have an idea for that. If if it's going to work, then you could try it. Um, My recommendation is based on what I've done successfully, and that is use a lunch event as an encouragement event. And most recently, I did that for Pregnancy Resource Center directors. Uh, You could do that for pastors. You could do that for your volunteers. It's just a great way to bring people together in a uh, less formal setting to hear your speaker, and uh, you can share things about the organization and and just be – it's more of a one-on-one time with a lot of individuals. So I would just – you're not going to get a speaker to agree to that if you don't ask. So if you think that's something you'd like to do, first step. Ask the speaker if they'll do it. If they say yes, you're in business. And then you move forward with making plans for a lunch event on the same day as your dinner event. Now, tip number 22, choose your night for your event carefully. Uh, I like Tuesday and Thursday nights personally. Uh, Monday nights can be tough, although I've seen organizations do Monday night events very successfully. Wednesdays I would stay away from because you still have churches that have services on Wednesday night. Not all of them, uh, but you do have churches that will have conflicts for Wednesday night. Friday and Saturdays are dicey. Typically, a Friday or Saturday, Saturday event, at least from my experience, uh, tends to be uh, something. It needs to be a higher-end event if you're going to do a Friday or Saturday. Otherwise, weekends are just so busy for people that uh, it's hard to do a Friday and Saturday event. But I would look very carefully at the night that you're choosing. Now, uh, aside from the actual night, the date, you do want to do some checking of your community calendar and major sports schedule. If you have a major college team in town, or if you have a NFL team, or a professional, you know, a basketball or whatever, if you have major events in your community, it's worth looking at the calendar to make sure you're not conflicting with something. And I know that you'd like to think everybody in the world is going to make your event the priority over the local college basketball rivalry, but that's not always the case. I mean, a lot of folks are going to put basketball top of the list. Hate to say it, but it's true. So if you can avoid those big conflicts. Uh, you want to do that any way that you possibly can. Sometimes it's unavoidable and you just have to schedule the night on what's 
that works for you and your speaker. Now, tip number 23, you want to close your event out by whatever the local norm time is. And I don't know what the norm time is for your community. My norm time that I'm familiar with is 9 o'clock. I think if you're having a pro-life dinner during a weeknight and you go past 9 o'clock, yeah, that's the kiss of death. I mean, I think people are going to start looking at their smartphones to see what time it is, and they're just thinking about they have to go to work the next day, they've got babysitters, they've got all this different stuff going on. Uh, I would wrap up well before, in fact, 9 o'clock I think is stretching it. And you need to be very careful here because I know the temptation, and I've talked about this in, in, in other podcast episodes, the temptation is you get everybody together and you just want to throw just everything that you've done in the entire year at them all at one time. And that means your program's going to balloon out and you may not be getting out of there until 9.30, 10 o'clock or whatever. That's just way too late. It's just way too late for folks and you're going to lose interest and it's going to cost you financially because you're going to lose people who are leaving early and if people start to lose interest or get tired at your event, uh, the emotional meter in the room just goes down. So you may make sure, make sure that you close your event out well in advance of what a local normal time would be for similar type of events, okay? Um, Tip number 24, ask your speaker, and this is critically important that you ask your speaker if you can record his or her presentation, and if the answer is yes, then uh, you can burn that onto a CD later, and I know a lot of folks don't use CDs anymore. I use all streaming uh, for my music, but CDs are still something physically you can put into uh, the car. You can hand it to somebody if you want somebody to listen to something, but if you burn a CD with that speaker's presentation, you can do a custom label on it, a custom casing on it. I would send it to the folks who came to your event who loved the speaker. Send it to them as a thank you. You send it to them put a thank you note in it, and that makes them feel really good about uh, coming to your event. And they get to hear the speaker's presentation again, and they can pass it on to their friends, and that's very important. But here's another thing you can do with that. You can also use that CD as a special thank you for a direct mail appeal to the donors who are not able to come to your event. You send them a fundraising letter, and then you send the CD as a thank you to everyone who gave, I don't know, let's say $15 or more to your appeal. And you know, the reality of it is the majority of your donors are probably not going to be at your event, just talking about volume wise. And I don't know what that looks like. I would guess that maybe 80% of your donors are not at your event. So if they're not at your event, then this is a great way to get the speaker's presentation to them, give them a thank you for their gift. Use it as a premium in a direct mail piece, and I think you'll be surprised at the results. And you can get CDs reproduced at a pretty cheap price now. Just go online. A lot of different stuff's out there now where you can get CDs reproduced. But the key to all all of this, just to rewind, is make sure you have, have express legal permission from your speaker to record their presentation. This is not an area where you want to ask for forgiveness instead of permission because what you're asking for then is a letter from an attorney and you don't want to get that so uh, i just encourage you ask the speaker if you can record his or her event if they say yes and you have the express permission to do that consider it as a thank you gift consider it as a premium for a direct mail piece now tip number 25 consider hosting a reception like six months after your banquet so that way it becomes the midway point between uh, banquet of this year banquet of next year or dinner again whatever you want to call it You're not trying to do a second dinner. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, What you're doing is a reception for a much smaller group. Maybe these are your table host. Uh, Maybe these are the uh, larger donors for your organization. I, I don't know what that looks like, but you want to do it six months after 
the, the dinner and make it a reception event. And here's what you do, build excitement for next year's dinner. And there's one organization that I know that does this every year now, and folks look forward to it. You use your reception not only as a fundraiser, you have a separate speaker, it's less formal and so forth, but you also use that evening to announce who your next banquet speaker is going to be. And then the folks who are there kind of get the advance opportunity to host tables for that upcoming event. And again, I've seen this happen. I've seen uh, one group in particular that does this very, very well and encourage you to do that. It's a great way to keep the momentum going uh, from banquet to banquet. Now, tip number 26 is consider doing a press conference before your banquet. If you've got a, a speaker that's coming into town that has something to say, invite your local media to come to a press conference and, and and, you know, cover that as a news story. You're not always going to get coverage, but you don't know that in advance. If it's a slow news day or if your speaker is uh, controversial, your speaker is high profile, your speaker checks off certain boxes that the media finds interesting, they may come. And that's not going to drive attendance to your event, but it gets you community exposure. And if you do a press conference, you want to do it well in advance of the start of your dinner time, uh, primarily because you have evening news that uh, is in some areas of the country, you're going to have newscasts starting at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Uh, so if you do it earlier in the afternoon, let's say 3, 3.30, and your speaker is open to that, you have a press conference, uh, the press conference has to have a hook to it, obviously. I mean, if it's just going to be uh, come talk to our speaker and the speaker has nothing important that anybody wants to talk to him or her about, the media is not going to be interested in it. So I would encourage you to work with a local uh, public relations professional, a marketing professional, and consult with them. But I think it's a good opportunity to potentially get additional exposure for your event. Now, tip number 27, targeted appeals always raise more money than just general appeals. And you have to do a general appeal at your organization's dinner because you have expenses all across the board that you have to cover, and I get that. But if there is a specific type of expense, project, something that has some urgency to it, that you need that need filled tonight at your event, then I would use that targeted appeal and make sure that is expressed very clearly. So, for example, let's say that you have the opportunity to purchase, uh, let's say you have an opportunity to purchase a new building or to sign a lease for a new building in a prime spot. But that decision has to be made uh, within the next week or whatever it might be. Whatever that dollar amount is, whoever's doing your appeal for funds needs to make that specific need known. Because when people, particularly larger donors, understand there is a very specific need, a place they can drive by and see this project, or they can it's very tangible to them, you have a much higher probability that they're going to write a check and be challenged to say, I can help you do what you asked to do. So just consider that when you're doing your appeal for funds. And you know, as a parenthesis on this, your appeal for funds should also be all, always be uh, very carefully planned and thought out. You just don't want to do it flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, but as part of that appeal, if you have a targeted appeal that you can put out there that will resonate uh, with larger donors in particular, that will resonate with them, that they understand very clearly, very specifically what their funds are going to be used for. Now, uh, tip number 28, uh, use video to transition between different portions of your program. This is all about keeping your program fluid. And if you can avoid the constant up and down from an MC that has to go to the podium, introduce somebody, sits down, that person comes up, MC has to come back up, introduce somebody. The up and down thing, if you have a larger program, is something that uh, can, it, it burns time up and it can really reduce the the fluid nature of your entire program. So use video and ask around it to 
local churches and and so forth, they probably have some good uh, audio video capability. The larger churches will that can help you with this. But if you do video to transition between things, it will just make your um, program flow a lot more. And then tip number 29 is you do want to script the program. And by scripting it, I don't mean that you script it out to where everybody's got to walk up and read a piece of paper specifically, because that would get really boring. Nobody wants to see that. But when you script it out, at least it gives the parameters for people to understand. It gives you an idea, I guess I should say, of how much time each section is going to take. And it, it just creates sort of a fence around each section of the program that everybody has clarity on. So, for example, if you have somebody that's going to do a testimonial, uh, if it's scripted, then at least you can kind of count for how much time it is and, and you're prepared for what that person uh, is going to do. And that, that applies to any portion of the program. So the scripting of the program in advance helps you to give those guidelines and parameters. Again, let me be very clear. It's not about standing up and reading stuff off a piece of paper. Nobody wants to see that. But if you stand up and that's your guide, I guess I should say that scripting is the guide for the evening. It'll be very helpful, helps your program flow more. And then the last tip, really minor tip, but it leaves a positive impression with people, uh, put dinner mints on the table. Folks like having dinner mints, and you put them on the table, maybe two per person, and then everybody's got their dinner mint right there, and I guarantee they'll all be gone after the event because everybody loves dinner mints. Now, you do have to check with the facility that you're going to be at. If it's a larger facility, say a conference center, a major hotel, something like that, they they have contracts sometimes with food service and other stuff that even stuff like putting a dinner mint on a table is restricted unless you ask them specifically and get permission. I know it sounds crazy, but at your venue, you want to respect your venue, respect whatever their agreements are with local providers and uh, so ask that's all i'm saying is you ask your your folks that uh, whose venue you're at if you can put dinner mints on the table if they say yes then put those dinner mints out there people really enjoy it a tiny little thing but it adds a positive spin to your evening hey that's it that's the end of 30 tips uh, to help increase fundraising at your pro-life banquet i really do hope that uh, some of these tips are very helpful to you and are really tips that help you uh, generate more discussion as you're planning your next event uh, if i can be any of assistance in answering any questions on some of the things that i've mentioned during this series uh, or if you need any assistance in locating a really top quality speaker to come in and knock it out of the park at your pro-life fundraising event, uh, you can just email me at podcast at lovetimes2.org. Uh, remember, lovetimes2 is love, the letter X, the number 2, dot O-R-G. Uh, email me, podcast at lovetimes2.org. Glad to help any way that I can. And I just ask you to never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2, dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.